Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Thank you guys for being with us. And thank you for all the prayers, things that were, uh, the encouragements, the nice notes that were sent out to us for the youth retreat that we did. That was really fun. Got some cool pictures and videos just down at the conference center. A couple hours south of here, phenomenal place and wonderful time. And thank you also for the kind comments about church yesterday as we're getting back into Revelation chapter 9. And uh, a lot of um, interest there. Had some people come up right after and, and talk to me and say, never knew that. No, didn't know that. Didn't know any of this kind of stuff going on around us, plus a lot of the details. So it's, it's, a, um, it's an important book for our time. So we are jumping over into Judges chapter 9 and 10 today, if you want to find your place. But first, we'll look at a little bit of trivia uh, or history, tri- trivia history. Uh, this is a special day for my friend John, who's visiting here from the United States. John, this is for you. April 17th, 1964. I bet you didn't know this. Ford's new sports card, the Mustang, officially goes on sale. John has a Mustang. And uh, John, I guess it's yours is a 64. I think you mentioned that. At the base price of $2,368, brand new. It's sold an industry as an industry record of of four hundred and seventeen thousand units the first year. It was originally intended to be a mid-engine two-seater roadster, but that changed when the sales of the Thunderbirds increased after adding a back seat. So there you go. The Ford Mustang goes on sale this day in nineteen sixty-four. The Bay of Pigs invasion, April seventeenth. 1961. That was an invasion led by Cuban exiles trained, armed, and directed by the U.S. In an effort to overthrow Cuban Prime Minister Fidel Castro, it failed. The invading forces were quickly defeated by the Cuban Revolutionary Armed Forces under the command of Castro. And we all know what happened after that. Daffy Duck, April 17, 1937. The cartoon Duck makes its first appearance back in 1937. In Porky's Duck Hunt, Daffy was voiced by Mel Blanc from in 1937 to 1989, 52 years. The original Daffy Duck more resembled an actual duck and had less a less pronounced lisp in, than the modern version. The cartoon was originally going to have Porky Pig harassed by a number of crazy ducks. The film's animator suggested that the crazy ducks be merged into one single duck. And Daffy was born. There you go. And the world record for standing on one foot was set on this day in 1982. Who knew? By someone, and I'll, I'll let you guess what country they might be from. Somebody that could stand on one foot for 34 hours. <laughs> By a man named N. Ravi from India. Coming from my Hinduistic background, I guessed right away it would have been a Hindu. Civil War in 1861, Virginia becomes the eighth state to succeed from the Union. And finally, April 17, 1610, the famed explorer 
Henry Hudson set sail for the fateful for, uh, voyage to find the Northwest Passage. I guess that's where we get the Hudson River from. His crew would mutiny 14 months later, setting him adrift, never to be heard from again. And now on to the dad jokes. This morning, this one, they got a couple of pretty good ones today. I like this one. My Uncle Frank died, and he wanted his ashes to be placed in his favorite beer mug. His last wish was to be Frankenstein. <laughs> I don't know why I like that one. A man walks into a bar. I know. We're doing bar jokes, even even on this nice, clean, Manifor for Breakfast program. The bartender asks him what he wants, and the man says, Oh, just a fruit punch. The bartender sighs and shakes his head. Well, if you want a punch, you're going to have to wait in line. The man looks around and there's no punchline. There's no punchline. That was the punchline, I guess. There you go. So, God love them, even if you hate them. So, here we go. We are ready to get started on Judges chapter 9, if you will find your place. And we'll give this time over to the Lord and see... What he has in store for us. Father God, thank you for this morning. And we ask that you would guide us as we look into your word. And you, God, have full authority and permission by us to reach into us and show us these truths and change things, reveal things, uh, convict us of areas that maybe you want to change or work on. So, God, every morning we want to be washed clean by your word, transform more into your image. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, we also did an outreach last night. The kids, I should say, really did the outreach um, downtown, around the Malacon, uh, singing songs, sharing a, a, a short drama, and witnessing, passing out tracks. Really great. Um, prayed with people who received the Lord. Thank all you guys that came down. And we're uh, cheering the kids on. They did a great, great job, all the kids that were on the on the youth retreat, putting in. Justin and his wife were down there, kids who came in to help and um, lead the whole conference. So it was a lot of fun. Judges chapter 9 now. And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem to his mother's relatives and spoke to them and to the whole clan of the household of his mother's father, saying, Speak now in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you that 70 men, all the sons of Jerubbabel, rule over you, or that one man rule over you. Also remember that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words on his behalf in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem. And they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our own relative. They gave him 70 pieces of silver from the house of Baal Bereth with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows, and they followed him. Then he went to his father's house in Raphra and killed his brothers and the sons of Jerubbabel, 70 men, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. All the men of Shechem and all Beth Milo assembled themselves, and they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar which was in Shechem. And when they told Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim, lifted up his voice and called out. Thus he said to them, Listen to me, O men of Shechem, 
that God may listen to you. Once the trees went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my father, with which God and men are honored, and go to wave over the trees? Then the trees said to the fig tree, You come, reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall we leave the sweetness of my good fruit, and go to wave over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, You come, reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my new wine, which cheers God and men, and go and wave over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to a bramble, You come, reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you are anointing me as king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out from the brambles and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now, therefore, if you have dealt in truth and integrity, in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jerubbabel in his house, and have dealt with him as he deserved, for my father fought for you and risked his life and delivered you from the hand of Midian, but you have risen against my father's house today and have killed his sons, 70 men, on one stone, and have made Abimelech the son of his maidservant king over the men of Shechem, because he is your relative. If then you have dealt in truth and integrity with Jerubbabel and his house this day. Rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and consume the men of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and fled and went to Beer and remained there because of Abimelech, his brother, Shechem, and Abimelech fall. Now Abimelech ruled over Israel three years. Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, so that the violent done to the 70 sons of Jerubbabel might come, and their blood might be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them. And the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. The men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who might pass by them along the road. And it was told to Abimelech. Now Gaal, the son of Ebed, came with his relatives and crossed over to, into Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their trust in him. And they went out into the field and gathered the grapes of their vineyards and trod them and held a festival. And they went into the house of their god and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Then Gal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubbabel? And is Zabul not his lieutenant? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Why should we serve him? Would therefore that this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, Increase your army and come out. When Zebul, ruler of the city, heard the words of Gal, the son of Ebed, his anger burned, and he sent messengers to Abimelech deceitfully, saying, Behold, Gal, the son of Ebed, and his relatives have come to Shechem, and behold, they are stirring up the city against you. Now, therefore, arise by night, you and your people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. In the morning, as soon as the sun is up, you shall rise early and rush upon the city. Behold, when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you shall do to them whatever you can. 
So Abimelech and all his people who were with him arose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. Now Gal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate. And Abimelech and the people who were with him arose from the ambush. And when Gal saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, You are seeing the shadow of mountains as if there were men. Then Gal spoke and said, Behold, people are coming down from the highest parts of the land, and one company comes by the way of the diviner's oak. Then Zebul said to him, Where is your boasting now? With which you said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Is this not the people whom you despised? Go out now, fight with them. So Gaal went out before the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. Abimelech chased them, and he fled before them, and many fell wounded up to the entrance of the gate. And Abimelech remained at Aramah. But Zebul drove out Gaal and his relatives so that they could not remain in Shechem. Now it came about the next day that the people went out to the field, and it was told to Abimelech, so he took his people and divided them into three companies and lay in wait in the field. And when he looked and saw the people coming out from the city, he arose against them and slew them. Then Abimelech and the company who was with him dashed forward and stood at the entrance of the city gate. And the other two companies then dashed against all those who were in the field and slew them. Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he captured the city and killed the people who were in it. Then he raised the city and sowed it with salt. When all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the inner chamber of the temple of El Bereth. And it was told Abimelech that all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem had gathered together. So Abimelech went up to Mount Zalmon, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe with his hand and cut down a branch from the tree and lifted it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to all the people who were with him, what you have seen me do, hurry and do likewise. All the people also cut down each one his branch and followed Abimelech and put them on the inner chamber and set the inner chamber on fire over those inside so that all the men of the tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. And Abimelech went to Tebez and he camped against Tebez and captured it. But there was a strong tower in the center of the city and all the men and, the, and women with all the leaders of the city fled there and shut themselves in, and they went up on the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and approached the entrance of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head, crushing his skull. Then he called quickly to a young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, so that it will not be said of me. A woman slew him. So the young man pierced him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech had, was dead, each departed to his home. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father in killing his 70 brothers. Also God returned all the wickedness of the men of Shechem on their heads, and the curse of Jotham the son of Zerubbabel came upon them. If that wasn't bloody. Well, we're going to press on. This is Israel after it has decided not to follow the Lord and go after their, their own, the times of the judges where they are far away from the Lord. So we're seeing how bad it can get. Chapter 10 now. Now, after Abimelech died, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, the man of Issachar, arose to save Israel. And he lived in Shamir, in the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried in Shamir. After him, Jair the Gileadite arose and judged Israel 22 years. 
He had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys, and they had 30 cities in the land of Gilead and are called Havat Jair to this day. But Jair died and was buried at Kaman. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, served the Baals and the Ashtoreth, the god of Aram, the god of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the sons of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. Thus they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Then the Lord burned against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the sons of Ammon. They afflicted and crushed the sons of Israel thirty years. For eighteen years they afflicted all the sons of Israel, who were beyond the Jordan in Gilead, in the land of the Amorites. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim, so that all Israel was greatly distressed. Then the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, for indeed you have forsaken our God and served the Baals. The Lord said to the son of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the sons of Ammon, and the Philistines? Also when the Sidonians, the Amaleks, and the Monites pressed you, you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hands. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, therefore I will no longer deliver you. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. The sons of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. So they put away foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and he could bear the misery of Israel no longer. Then the sons of Ammon were summoned, and they camped in Gilead. And the sons of Israel gathered together and camped in Mizpah. The people of the leaders of Gilead said to one another, Who is this man who will begin to fight against the sons of Ammon? He shall become head over the inhabitants of Gilead. We'll have to leave it there. It is interesting that they do finally cry out to the Lord. This is the pattern of the judges. Go after the things of the flesh. Satisfy the flesh. Become conquered by the flesh. Then cry out to God for help. And God in his mercy then comes and sends a deliverer to bring them out, even though knowing they're going to go back to their sin. But he has mercy on them, pity on them. And we see the never-ending compassion of God for this, for the sinful and the rebellious. And um, even though, but he does allow them to go through a great deal of, of distress and um, punishment where they finally cry out to God. And he says, okay. Again, just waiting for you to cry out, waiting for you to walk in faith and say, I want to trust you for my hope and my salvation, and please deliver me. And he says he'll be there to do it. So we see, even in the Old Testament, we see that uh, played out for us over and over again. Luke chapter 14 now. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Verse 1. It happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they kept silent. And he took hold of the man and healed him and sent him away. And he said to him, Which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table and saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, 
give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he also went on to say, the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, and you will be repaid at the resurrection of righteousness. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16. But he said to him, A man was given a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my dinner. Verse 25. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother and father and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, When he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, there is um, many Proverbs, kind of New Testament Proverbs in there. Sayings of wisdom coming directly from Jesus. And a a lot to go in there, but how do you process some of that stuff? You've got to hate your father and mother and, and your own life. And you have this whole thing about being invited to the dinner and taking the place of honor. The whole thing is about, if I had to boil it down, dying to self and your pride. And these Jewish leaders are very prideful. They were the ones that were uh, chosen by God to be at his dinner table in his kingdom. 
and they were invited because they were to set the the whole uh, example for the whole human race. And yet they didn't want to come. Jesus had come and say, here I am. I'm inviting you. The, God is inviting you to his table. And they said, we don't want to. They made excuses. We don't want to come. We don't want to accept you. We like our place of honor. We like our pride. We like to be treated well. And so he's telling them, it's all about giving up the self and thinking of yourself as more important than others. And if you can accept that and, and seek the last seat and walk in humility and don't love your, your life so much that you love yourself over and above everything, you love the praise of men uh, and, and you seek just to be God's servant, then, then you can sit down at the table and dine with the king. See, the man sent out a servant to get all those who were humble. They were poor, they were blind, they were lame. They did not have this prideful view of themselves that they were important in the community. And yet this man sends it out and says, bring them in. Bring all those who are destitute that are not considering themselves as more important than other people and someone special. And so he's trying to teach the people and the Jews, what it is to come into his kingdom and to come in with humility and just ask him and admit that we're sinners and we need his healing touch, that we're all lame, that we're all, <laughs> in the modern sense too, um, we're all crippled and we need his touch. We need to see ourselves in that way before him, before we can truly be feasting with him at his table. All right, Charles Spurgeon now, Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, 7. I must see that my ways please the Lord. Even then I shall have enemies. And perhaps all the more certainly because I endeavor to do that which is right. But what a promise that is. The Lord will make the wrath of man to, to praise him and abate it so that it shall not distress me. He can constrain an enemy to desist from hearing me, even though he has a mind to do so. This he did with Laban, who pursued Jacob and did not dare to touch him. Or he can subdue the wrath of the enemy and make him friendly, as he did with Esau, who met Jacob in the brotherly manner. Though Jacob had dreaded that he would smite him and his family with his sword. The Lord can also convert the furious adversary into a brother in Christ and a fellow worker, as he did with Saul of Tarsus. Oh, that he would do this in every case where a persecuting spirit appears. Happy is the man whose enemies are made to be to him what the lions were to Daniel in the den, quiet and companionable. When I meet death, who is called the last enemy, I pray that I may be at peace. Only let my great care be to please the Lord in all things. Oh, for faith and holiness, for they are a pleasure unto the Most High. That's pretty profound. That is pretty profound. God can change the most ardent enemy into one who has an alliance with the Holy King and change things and can change us the way he changed Paul. There's all kinds of... Um, examples of this in the Bible, and certainly we want to be the kind of person that will be like Daniel and face on, face head on 
that which maybe the world meant to be our destruction and our adversary and our enemy and just walk in or be placed in the midst of it and have the peace of God and just be, be trusting God no matter what comes. It's pretty, um, pretty profound what God can do in some very difficult circumstances. So let's praise him for that and pray that he continues to give us that kind of a heart, like especially what Charles Pershing was just praying about. Father God, we do thank you for this morning and thank you for your love for us and all that you have been doing um, recently through the Easter, the resurrection weekend, uh, celebrating your resurrection. You're, You're really bringing new life into the world and new life into us. And we are so grateful and so thankful as we have now been able to celebrate and worship together, fellowship together as believers. God, we ask you to continue the work that your the reality of the resurrected life become more and more a reality to people around us that are hard-hearted, people that are not completely there yet, that don't understand the difference between a dry religious ceremony that many were brought up with and, and the real resurrected life we have in you, where we know you live in us, where your Holy Spirit is sealed in us, and we are waiting for your soon return. And we have this beauty, this this wonderful sense of your abiding presence and your working in and through us and that you, so many of us know how you have broken us, God, of that pharisaical spirit of trying to place ourselves first and thinking of ourselves as more important than others and needing God, the humbling, and uh, so that we can come before you and let you transform us into your own image, into your own um, imagers, we should say, those who would who would try and and demonstrate your love and your patience and your mercy through the power and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. This is our, our, our aim. This is our goal, Father. So we can ask you to continue to do that work in us. In the meantime, God, we want to pray for for all those that are struggling still, that are still looking for that, hoping that they can find reality in their life. We thank you for these the youth that were down at the camp that had a close encounter, God, with you in a very profound way. And um, also for those that are just now waking up spiritually, we thank you for those who um, accepted you at the Malacon last night, those that are continuing to um, yield their life over to you for the service on Sunday, the women's study, the different uh, men's Bible studies. Just continue, God, all that you're doing. Bless the conference center and their upcoming conferences and the um, uh, the other outreaches that are coming about soon. Thank you for Jesser and his family being here, blessing us uh, and helping the kids, being just an encouragement to them, God, such an important ministry youth ministry is just very, very valuable to have men and women that are that are taking them on the challenge and loving the kids. Thank you for um, John and Pam being here, helping us. Always a blast, always fun with them here and so much of a help. So thank you for all that you're doing through us, God. And we do ask again your protection upon Israel during these difficult days with the um, Islamic world having such an intent to continue to attack them. And also, God, with, the, with what's going on in the Ukraine, the new understanding of what's really going over there, understanding there's 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 unbelievable uh, secret war going on and things going on that we just 
we don't even know about. So, God, we just pray for an end to this war. Pray that you bring it about peacefully, that you could stop hostilities, God, and there would be a resolution going on over there, and there would be no more lives lost. But in the midst, God, we pray for the missionaries and all those working. We want to pray for Tony and Bernice, where they're working in Cambodia, and, uh, and just, God, bless them, help them. Find exactly their little niche where you want them to minister and help them be effective in it, sharing your love and your gospel. So thank you for them. And uh, God, we look forward to things you want to do in us the rest of this day and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. That will do it for today. I apologize not getting out the recording for Manna for Breakfast audio podcast. We, I, If I can pull it together today, I'll, I'll do some retro recording for the chapters we missed um just depends kind of my day off we'll see what goes uh transpires today so if not we'll just continue on and what better way to end with a nice siren (laughs) sorry for that lord help whatever's going on up there hopefully it's not uh, anything bad or just whatever it is god (laughs) put that in your hands too so thank you guys we will see you again tomorrow bye-bye